0: What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra my name is Manuel Rustin your favorite teacher's favorite teacher and y'all know that we drop these passing periods in between our full episodes our full episodes our video shows and we have guests and, and news and education and shout outs and all kinds of dope stuff and we drop those on our YouTube channel as well as your favorite podcast streaming platform every other week but in between that we drop these passing periods which are audio only and they give us a little bit of time to check in with each other and check in with uh, any any news or headlines that didn't make it into our most recent full episode. So Jeff, man, it's it's February. It is Black History Month. And this year's Black History Month comes after one of the one of the really great moments in in American history and American society, which was the, the summer of, of reckoning over racial justice and so many folks committing themselves to anti-racism, so many folks committing themselves to fighting for racial justice. And Jeff, I know that after all of that that we saw over the summer, the marches, the protests, there was the NASCAR car that had Black Lives Matter on it. Like after all of that, I am sure we are currently in what has to be like the dopest black history month in history. Like I'm sure we have no nonsense this time around. I'm sure all the lesson plans and all the activities are, are very, very, very inspiring and great and transformative, Jeff. So man, aren't you just excited? You know, we're in the midst of, I'm sure just a fantastic black history month, Jeff.
1: Yes, man. Well, you're hundred percent correct. Um, next topic, hashtag post- nice. post-racial.
0: We
1: did it. <laughs> we did it. Yes. We we've we've uh, we've reached the mountaintop, apparently. Um, no, I mean, it is important to acknowledge that uh, the you know, we experienced uh, over, uh, let's say, six month window or so um, in, in 2020, the largest sustained set of uh, of racial justice protests in the history of this country with a beautiful multiracial coalition of people demanding uh, not only an end to our, our violent, oppressive, racialized system of policing, but also um, you know lots of other elements of change in society that, um, that would help bring about uh, racial justice and repair the harm that has been done. And, and one major result of that, you would think, is that literally nobody in this country could possibly not be like minimally literate in the idea that like we probably have some things we could do better. Like even even if you're just like really racist, you you know you couldn't have looked at George Floyd's video and been like, "That's cool, like everything's fine, right?" Um, you know he he must have provoked them, right? You would think that that's where we are, Manuel, and that by extension, educators, people who are whose very profession it is to be well educated themselves and to confer upon the students that they that they teach uh, and that they serve um, you know the skills knowledge dispositions uh, ideas um, that you know that they have learned and that they can pass on to the next generation and with all of that manuel on the very first day of Black History Month. That, that'd be February 1st. Uh, we had this just, this, you know, let's say, I mean, wild and stupid and ridiculous, but also maybe entirely predictable story coming to us out of the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, and a, uh, a suburban community uh, not too far outside of um, of the city of Madison, Uh, shout out to Madison, Um, but uh, the Sun Prairie uh, Area School District had an assignment given uh, to students. Uh, This was a presumably like a world history, uh, ancient civilizations type of assignment um, at uh, Patrick Marsh Middle School, where students were, (laughs) we asked to talk about how they would punish a slave who had disrespected his master by telling him, quote, you are not my master, exclamation point. Uh. So, uh, you know, before everybody yeah. <laughs> just totally loses it, it is an important caveat to note that this assignment is is talking about slavery in the ancient context related to Hammurabi's code, not in the um, North American slave society context. However, that don't make it... <laughs> any better in so many ways it it doesn't yeah so man
0: well please please like speak on this before i elevate my blood pressure i mean i'm looking at the assignment i'm looking at the prompt and it says a slave stands before you this slave has disrespected his master by telling him quote you are not my master how will you punish this slave and then there's a little box for the students to write their decision for how they will punish this slave and what kind of nonsense? I mean, I'm part of me is like um, absolutely <laughs> <Excellent> question. Yes, <laughs> like this had this had to drop on the first day of Black History Month. Yes. Like it just had to be on the first day of Black History Month. Um, and yeah, the fact that this is in reference to Hammurabi's Code, you know, that helps a little bit because at first, when I first saw this, you know, come across, I was thinking like, I mean, just the worst. Like how I just, I, just, I couldn't even put words to what I was thinking. You know, when I first saw this and then I saw the Hammurabi's code part and I was like, oh, OK, I guess the teacher was trying, you know, just a really low level attempt at having students like think about the code and how to apply it in various circumstances. But this is like super low level, like how will you punish a slave and Hammurabi's code says that that's worthy of execution. But it's just like, um, is there no other way to have students explore Hammurabi's code than to have them try to think about being in the position of a master and having to punish a person who's enslaved, like it just does it's just on an academic level, it just seems really, really basic and really, really sorry, even for sixth graders. And I don't mean like even for sixth graders, like, you know, they're um, less capable of more complex tasks. I mean, like, you know, somebody might be thinking, well, this is elementary, so it's, you know, it'll be nice and simple that, no, this is just super whack in that way. But then obviously I'm just thinking like just the optics of it are so terrible, so terrible. I wasn't surprised when I heard that the teacher pulled it from Teachers Pay Teacher or Teachers Pay Teachers, whatever that website is where you could pay for like lesson plans because they have a whole history of having really garbage stuff up there and people purchasing the garbage stuff because they don't have whatever. They don't have curriculum that they feel could be useful in that moment. And who knows, maybe this is, I don't don't know. I don't want to make excuses for this teacher. This is just a whole bunch of nonsense. The person should have known better I don't care what a student is studying. I don't think it is helpful to have the student envision themselves in the position of somebody who is a so-called master and has a human enslaved. Like, I don't want students visualizing that for any reason. There's other ways to examine Hammurabi's code. So this was just a whole bunch of nonsense. And the fact that it had to drop on the first day of Black history Wow. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right about that. And I think
1: this is a perfect example, Manuel, of the way in which, uh, you know, the so-called neutrality of the curriculum is doesn't exist. Right. Because uh, people would the people who critique teachers for, um, for for educating in ways that that, you know, promote uh, critical consciousness among among young people say, oh, the, you know, teachers are espousing their beliefs on the on the students and they're you know they're uh, indoctrinating them, right? Um, but the reality is there 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 is indoctrination happening all the time uh, in education. And for yes. example, this prompt. Ridiculous as it is, is indoctrinating students with the the idea that there is a sort of morally neutral position to take on the issue of slavery, whether that slavery happened, you know, uh, two thousand or three thousand years ago, as it may be, or whether that that hit, uh, slavery happened just, uh, you know, two hundred years ago, um, and and. You cannot talk about slavery as like the status of a person as a slave and the status of another person as a so-called master without commenting on the morality and immorality of that type of relationship between human beings now i'm not saying we don't talk about slavery in in our history of course we do it's these are it's been a fundamental shaping institution in human relations for you know for thousands of years in many ways Um, that said we live in 2021 the morality question on slavery it has been abundantly clear for a couple centuries now. And you can't talk about slavery without <laughs> framing it with the like, this is a deeply immoral, horrible, violent, exploitative, you know, system full of like rape and human trafficking. So, and this question does none of that, right? It sets students up to, to be like, oh, you know, slaves and masters, ha ha ha, funny. I guess they get killed, right? Like this this is this right. is the, the low level subtle stuff that results in the, the society-wide perpetuation of violent white supremacy. And, uh, and so, you know, the fact that it happened on the first day of Black History Month makes it like the optics are so especially bad, right? And I have no idea who this, these teachers are and what the history of this particular district is, right? And like, you know, maybe yeah. they didn't mean it that way. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, OK, Whether, which we probably shouldn't. But let's just say <laughs> it still doesn't make it OK, man. You can't be <laughs> teaching kids that somehow like slavery is not that bad. Uh, so and, the, and then happening in black history, like it's just it's egregious. And this is how we get this is why we have the state affairs we have in white America today. Man. It's questions like this. Twelve yeah. years of ridiculousness like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm in this case, I'm glad the superintendent, it looks like the superintendent came out right away and said, this is terrible. I think the superintendent quoted as calling it a grave error in judgment. School board members also came out to... um, basically apologize to the community and to recommit themselves to making sure that all teachers have have support and, and one board member said something about um, that said that the district would schedule listening sessions and work with their community to work towards community healing so it sounds like the district at least was quite aware of how ridiculous this is and to me as a classroom teacher I'm just part of me thinks like well, stuff like this would probably be less likely to happen if teachers didn't feel like they had to like scramble for resources or scramble for curriculum. And part of that comes with being more supportive of teachers in terms of time for prep, time for feedback, time for coaching, time for checking in with each other, um, better compensation so that teachers aren't going to some wild website, which is what Teachers Pay Teachers seems to be from from my vantage. And just like collecting whatever they could find that Will get them through a day. So, yeah. But, Jeff, I mean, thankfully, although that was the first day of Black History Month, thankfully, the rest of the month's been cool, right? Everything else has yeah, been I know. I'm... pretty chill as far as uh, race and racism goes. Yes, it, I'm so grateful for that, man. Well, <laughs> it's it's been such a
1: calm, peaceful first week of, of Black History Month. Uh, sadly, we cannot report that. Um, you know, although there's lots of really cool stuff happening in uh, schools across the country in celebration of Black History Month, there are some students, particularly in uh, Utah, who aren't going to get to experience that, Manuel. And uh, we have this wonderful little uh, doozy of a story coming um, out of the town of North Ogden, Utah. This is uh, like kind of a a northern suburban community outside of Salt Lake City, uh, where a charter school um, is allowing parents to opt students out of its Black History Month curriculum, Yo. Uh, which, of course, has drawn uh, some national scrutiny, outrage, and attention. Um, and this is uh, Maria Montessori Academy, um, and they, they are saying that they have uh, reluctantly uh, that's, quote, sent out a letter explaining families are allowed to, quote, exercise their civil right not to participate in Black History Month at the school. Out of pocket. Okay? That is so now, out of pocket. they're saying only a few families have done this. Uh, the school has only three uh, black students. 322 students total, so it's about 1% black. Uh, 70% white So, you know, certainly a majority white
0: context, Um, you know, I mean. Is it a civil right to opt out (laughs) of black history activities at a school? I'm just curious because I'm just questioning. Do teachers or do parents have broad authority to simply opt their kids out of whatever aspects of curriculum, whatever aspects of school they don't like? Like, would it be a civil right to opt my kid out of, I don't know, some part of geometry class because i don't particularly believe you don't you don't like pythagoras man well you're not feeling them right triangles and hypotenuses man (laughs) we do left triangles here
1: (laughs) exactly uh you know that's it's an interesting question i i think my uh general assumption is that like technically yes right parents could opt out because you could just like you could just homeschool your child, right? If if you really wanted to, uh, so right. so you don't have to experience the state curriculum, and definitely, I, you know, I'm I'm sure I have not researched this question, but I'm like pretty sure that the laws in states differ on this in some ways. But I know, having been a you know a principal and a teacher in New York, that um, families can, for example, try to opt their child out of sex education, right? um or right. you know there were certain um like if you're reading a text in a class that the family you know finds objectionable if there's um you know sex depicted in the text
0: or um I mean that all sounds you know familiar but in this case I mean it sounds like this school this school says that it incorporates black history month into its regular social studies and history lessons throughout the month of february which is a problem. It shouldn't just obviously be relegated just to February, but in any case, so what? So so those teachers have to come up with alternative lesson plans in their history classes because they're, you know, these few families, quote unquote, few families don't want to hear anything Black History Month related. Like, so what, I got to give you something that's not related to like black people in history? It just seems no, i too- well first of all <laughs> the the main problem with the story isn't really that i guess legal aspect yes. of it I, obviously the main the main problem is that you got folks out here trying to opt out of something like black history and this is a school where i you know according to the article there's only 3 black students there and i'm just thinking of how difficult it must be for those 3 black students like your classmates some of your classmates belong to families that believe that like this sort of history, the history of your folks and your people's contributions to our nation are like not appropriate. And they want to opt out of that. Like, how do you sit in a class? I mean, this is a whole school. So those three black students, like you're in class as the only black student in that particular class, I'm sure. And it just must, I just can't imagine how hard it must be for them. And I really, really hope that the principal at this school who sounds like, it sounds like the principal is very well aware of how ridiculous this is. Um, I just really hope the principal is, and the staff there are doing something to make sure those three black students are all right. I just, I don't know. It's it's just so heartbreaking that this is even happening still in 2021. It's so ridiculous. And I also wonder if those three black students, if their families are allowed to opt out of white history month, which is of course every other (laughs) month of the school year. I mean, the school set itself. February, they do Black History Month assignments in their in their history classes. So that means the rest of the months are non-Black history. So if I'm a Black family, could I opt my kid out of that? It's just so ridiculous, man. It
1: it is ridiculous. Like it it is, it's like racist on top of racist on top of racist, right? So presumably you know, a group could, could want to opt out of some aspect of curriculum because they feel like it, you know, is objectionable to them on some aspect of their, like, protected class identity, right? So if we are, you know, conservative, religiously observant people and we don't want our child, you know, talking about sex, right? I, I personally don't agree with that position at all and think it's harmful to do that to children, but... Uh, you know, you have some, you have some rights as a, you know, as a religious group, particularly if you're a religious minority group within the country, um, that maybe we actually need to consider in some kind of meaningful way there. But uh, here we have white folks just being like, we don't want st- to, we, don- we refuse to have our child experience any study of the contributions, uh, successes, and genius of black people And that is simply a racist, like, there's nothing more to it than, like, it's just deeply racist. And it's also impinging upon the curriculum because there is no way to meaningfully study American history and not study black people, dude. Like, the wealth of this nation comes from the stolen land of indigenous people the agricultural practices that they learned from those indigenous people, and then the labor right. and, you know, uh, and, and centuries of, of human uh, beings that, that were sacrificed among, uh, you know, the descendants of, of African slaves in this country. Uh, you know, everything we know today about America is dependent upon those two things. And, uh, and so to make this argument is just, it's ridiculous on its face. And I, you know, I don't know this principal, I don't know this, this principal in school's values, but I just, I would hope I would hate to be in that position, right? If I were that principal and being told like, you have to accept this, like that's, that's the kind of thing that would make me want to walk off the job, man. Like it, you know, maybe this isn't the right school for you. If you want the school to cater to and protect your fragile, racist, ignorant ego, you know, like maybe you should stay home with
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to I guess his credit, the principal mentions that he's of Japanese descent and his grandparents, I believe he said, or um, folks in his family were in those incarceration camps during the uh, Second World War. And and he it sounds like he really struggled with this and and is admitting that this is a, a. terribly ignorant and terribly just sad um, development in terms of these parents being able to opt out. Yeah, it's just, it's trash in so many ways. And it just seems like the response should be like, if you want your, if you want your student to be able to opt out of black history, then that means you have to go ahead and just homeschool your student. Like we can't, I don't think we can even begin to envision a, a public school system. This is a charter school, but still, I mean, that's public money. Uh, school system that allows parents to treat education like a menu. Like, okay, we we don't want the Black history. We'll take some of this. Okay, we don't want that. Like, how it just doesn't. The slippery slope argument is is there. But it, even beyond that, it just seems like the the purpose of education is develop uh, develop students who can like engage in our world and and hopefully. Uh, engage in our world positively. And how are you going to do that if you are allowing parents to like opt out of something as critical as Black History Month? It's just yeah, no, it boggles the mind, Jeff. It does, it
1: does. I, and it, it's actually not that different the more I think about it than, um, than the attempts of some of the more fundamentalist conservative religion uh, groups. And I frankly, I'm only familiar with Christian groups that have really pushed this in American public schools but there may be others um, that want science classes to teach creationism, right? Um, And this is sort of like the the inverse of that, right? It would be like those groups asking asking the school to to like not teach evolution, right? (laughs) Or to opt out of evolution. And it does make me think like, if what we're doing in school is teaching you a curriculum, and at the end, if what you need to do is demonstrate some acquisition some knowledge facility mastery of that curriculum can we legitimately say at the end of this u.s history curriculum if you haven't studied anything about black history that you know american history and i i think the answer is no the same way we couldn't say that you know about biology if you don't actually know about the you know the, the the fundamentals of evolution Right. And and so you're entitled to hold your own beliefs in this country. What you do outside of school is, you know, certainly your, you know, your private business, as long as you're not interfering with others. But um, but to try to impinge upon the school or to, you know, to suggest that um, you should be able to earn the same, you know, Diploma, credits, whatever, as other people, when you opt out of fundamental parts of the curriculum, to me feels like Mm. it's it's a bit
0: dubious. Yeah. And we have only gotten to the end of the first week of Black History Month. So (laughs) certainly there is more nonsense headed our way. Um, So there go my hopes of this Black History Month being one that reflects the um, energy and the spirit of the summer a reckoning, But in any case, I think about these three black students at this school, and I wonder what their thoughts are on school reopening and distance learning, because we're going to do a quick check in right now with the latest in the reopening debate, because it's a debate that seems to be heating up and it's heating up in California for sure. And for all those who are saying like, kids need to be back in school, they're suffering so much not being in school, this is just a reminder that like, that doesn't equally apply to all students. I would guess that these three black students probably would be okay with staying at home and doing distance learning and not having to be in the classroom and in the hallways with students who want to opt out of something like black history. So this is just an example, I think, of how the school system and how students interact with the school system varies Wildly and oftentimes varies by race, for sure. So Jeff, actually, actually, before we get to the reopening debate, is it possible, maybe for an upcoming episode, maybe maybe later on this month, we have somebody on to maybe talk about sort of the the relationship between the school system and Black families? <laughs> uh, we could, Manuel. We could. Uh, we we actually have
1: um, two. Uh, Two someone's coming on to join us, uh, two brilliant um, scholars, two brilliant women, uh, two brilliant um, black mothers um, who specialize in uh, studying the issues that have united and driven many wedges between uh, black families and uh, public school systems. We got um, Dr. Um, Tanika Orange, a professor at UCLA Graduate School of Education and Information studies yep. uh, coming on um, and um We also have Dr. Tunette Powell, who is uh, who used to be at UCLA, um, who uh, as the director of the Parent Empowerment uh, Center. But she now um, works as a director of uh, diversity, equity and community at an independent school um, here in Los Angeles. And uh, they're going to help us kind of like dig into these issues around the relationship or lack thereof between black families and in our public schools, dope. so, um, so that I mean, this is a topic, this dope period. But I think in this moment of like pandemic-driven inequity of the, the the tension we see between like let's reopen the schools, we gotta like address learning loss and and the equity gaps are growing versus the reality of the data says black families are saying we don't trust the system is safe for our kids. This is a, this is a great moment uh, for us to, to bring them on
0: and learn from their their deep expertise. All right. So definitely looking forward to the episode with them. And we also have an episode with uh, Principal Amen Ra coming up too. And he's a super dope leader who we've had on our show before. And his school does great things, especially with regards to educating and supporting Black students here in Los Angeles. But Jeff, real quick, reopening. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but it seems that this whole time, it was the teachers. It's the teachers' Mm. fault for schools being closed. I don't know if you caught that. I I didn't realize that. But um, evidently, if you listen to our political leaders and and a lot of folks out there, a lot of pundits out there, it's it's the teachers who are keeping the schools closed. Our governor here in California, Governor Newsom, said that um, teachers don't even need to be vaccinated for us to get back to school. And he also said something about you know, when the union came, came out and said, actually, we do need teachers vaccinated, he said something about, um, well, I guess that just means we're going to stay closed if that's the position. And we have a city councilman here in Los Angeles who's threatening to sue Los Angeles Unified for not, not opening back up. And Jeff, I just oh, I feel so bad. I didn't realize it was our, te- our fault as teachers for keeping schools closed, man. I don't know why you're saying our fault. I'm not a teacher. I think it's your fault. True. Now that I think about it,
1: man, <laughs> it's you people keeping the schools. <laughs> I'm just gonna be here working remotely, but you should definitely go back to your classroom and teach, man. Well, that's that's what I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, it's this. I mean, these are. I I don't even know what to say about this like moment in history right now, man. It is it is a crazy time where. Where we are, I feel like, just have lost all sense of reality about, about this issue. And here in the great city of Los Angeles, it's gotten even even crazier. The plot has thickened because a uh, city council member, um, Joe Buscaino, um, announced uh, very recently, just this past week on uh, February 4th, that he's going to be asking the city to go to court and file a lawsuit against the Los Angeles Unified School District to reopen for in-person instruction. Okay, so he's going to be introducing this resolution next week uh, for consideration by the council that would give um, that would direct the city attorney to file this lawsuit modeled on one that happened up in San Francisco, which was kind of trying to do the same thing. So um, so the city is suing the school district to open, even though Los Angeles is literally the epicenter of the pandemic in the United States, which is the epicenter of the pandemic in the world period, end of sentence, okay? So, the beautiful thing was that the district clapped back, and I have to say, as somebody who works with Los Angeles Unified, I have never been happier with a statement that the leadership has made ever. Under any circumstances, I was like, word, I, I... I appreciate it. Okay, so, um, you know, among many important clapbacks, um, they they note that it will take the whole of government cooperating, prioritizing schools to get children back in classrooms rather than filing a headline grabbing lawsuit. The city of Los Angeles should stop scapegoating schools and work together with schools, the county and the state to communicate clear and consistent standards for safe school environment. Bring down community infection rates, provide vaccines to school staff, and get schools open. Yes. Boom. Sounds right. That is, that is all that the teachers are asking for. It's like, I don't want to risk my life to teach. Nowhere in the contract does it say you have to be good with like a 5% risk that you might die from showing up. Okay? like Right. If you're not comfortable going to work and risking your life, why the hell are you looking at teachers like they got to take one for the team, dude? Like, that's not, this is not being a soldier. This is not being a police officer. This is not being a professional boxer. Nobody signed up to risk death to be a teacher. And it's immoral to force folks back into that position. So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, we we've framed teaching. For too long as like this, this sacrifice and uh, this narrative of teachers like sacrificing in so many ways to teach. And it's a profession and folks are weaponizing that sacrifice part and trying to make it sound like teachers are being afraid. I saw somebody tweet something about how like Teachers need to fight against this fear narrative being driven and they need to get back in the classroom. It's like fear narrative, man, we're talking about people dying. Like I could, th- I could name so many people I know who have lost family members and so many students I know who have lost family members. But the, the clap back from LA Unified was just marvelous. And another part of it from the superintendent of LA Unified, he said, uh, Los Angeles is a national example of how governmental dysfunction has allowed the virus to rampage out of control. It was not the decision of Los Angeles Unified to reopen card rooms or indoor malls before in- infection rates were low enough to unlock the schoolyard gates. Boom! Like Mike drop. Like this letter was just beautiful it, and it's so so real, so honest. It's like LA Unified can't. And I'm not, folks. I'm not part of LA Unified. I teach in another district. Same thing though. Same idea. You can't just like ignore state law that says you can't even apply to start reopening until you're out of that purple tier or whatever tier we're in. Like they they couldn't reopen if they wanted to, but especially they can't reopen when it's such a mess. Like the vaccine distribution is a mess. The the case counts and all that stuff have just been so bad in Los Angeles. And yeah, they're finally going down some, but it's like they're nowhere near where they need to be for us to safely reopen. It's just a a threat of a lawsuit is just the last thing we need right now. And for the governor to say like, teachers don't need to be vaccinated, it's uh, uh, it's just heartbreaking to hear that from our elected officials. And this is the same governor, of course, who infamously was, was indoor dining when nobody else was allowed to. And he happened to be indoor dining with lobbyists. And it's just like, dude, man, y'all don't even follow these rules. That's why we're in this mess in the first place, man. It's just been, oh, it's just so frustrating as a teacher to go from that short moment last spring when we were being hailed as heroes for keeping keeping school, keeping teaching and learning going as the pandemic unfolded, to go from that to like, these teachers, they're they are being selfish, they're being fearful. There's that, the one big pundit, I won't say his name because I don't wanna bring anything more to, to his platform, <laughs> but he tweeted out that what troubles him most about uh, educators who just don't want to go back is that they know how harmful the learning loss is to their students. And they know that keeping them home puts them in danger and still they fight to avoid in-person teaching. And this is just uh, from somebody who is not in the classroom, hasn't been in the classroom for a very long time, did ask to be on our show and we politely declined. So if you're listening to this, uh, just know, when we say we only bring you the dope guests, we mean that. Like We don't just have anybody up on our show to just spew whatever like harmful views they have. But yeah, man, it's just trash, it's trash.
1: Yeah, yeah 100%, man. And I I, um, I, loved another piece of his letter, real, just real quick here before we close, um, which pointed yeah. out that, so now we're, Manuel, almost 11 months exactly to uh, since the quarantine began, since schools closed here in LA, okay? And in that time, in the Los Angeles area, not for one single day since the beginning of this crisis uh, has this area met the state standards for school reopening, okay? So what is clearly happening here is they are trying to reopen schools when even the weak, mealy-mouthed state stance we have on what safety is, we don't meet it. Yeah. This is the insanity that is at play. We have the city council trying to sue the district to put half a million kids in the city. and therefore, right? The entire city at grave medical risk because we have uncontrolled community spread. It's wild, dude, to think that that's what we're, like 100 years from now, they're going to write about this and be like, remember when L.A. tried to kill everyone in, in in the name of reopening the schools and learning loss? Like, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Real, so I, I appreciate shout out to the L.A. Unified District leadership for that clap back. I was uh, cheering um, hardcore, loving the the pushback and the principle of the pushback. And uh, yes, let's control the community spread and let's get kids back safely when we can do that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't read the letter without hearing Nas's. Um ether beat in the background, Mm. because that's exactly what happened. And those, if you know, you know, if you're a hip hop fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, we want to definitely, definitely acknowledge, again, that we understand that a lot of our listeners, you are teaching in person in some kind of hybrid or perhaps full in person, depending on where you're teaching from. And we fully, fully understand the, the difficulty that you are facing each day as you do the best that you can for your students in the midst of a system that is still just, um, really struggling to figure out what's what. So, um shout out to y'all definitely. I know that we here in the Los Angeles area, you know, we're still doing the distance learning thing and it looks like we'll be doing the distance learning thing for for a while in the name of safety of our our students and their families and our staff members for sure. And also, of course, we keep saying reopening, but you know, we are very well aware of the yeah. fact that schools are. School, schools open, man. Not closed. <laughs> when we say reopening, we simply mean reopening the actual building to in-person instruction. But school is very much open. I know that because I am running ragged day by day, keeping the distance learning going and keeping the lesson planning going and assessment and all that. So shout out to all of y'all who are out there doing that work absolutely we appreciate y'all we love y'all thank you so much for listening to this passing period next week we have a very dope principal who who works in South Los Angeles and he's going to share a little bit about how he has been working with his staff to transform their their culture in the midst of this pandemic in the midst of distance learning and all the challenges that come with that so you definitely don't want to miss that one and of course uh, don't forget to rate us and review us uh, five stars will be so much appreciated and We'll be back one week from today. All right, folks. Love y'all. Get to class.